0: Hey everybody. Adam from the Back Patio Network here again. And Mike Atkins from nerdsonearth.com. And we have got another awesome episode of the Almighty Podcast. Mike, what uh, what episodes did we watch
1: this week? We watched episode 9, Yeah, just do your best, Ida, uh in episode 10,
0: Encounter with the Unknown. These were some pretty awesome episodes, man. Like, I get the feeling we were about to get into some deep stuff with these characters.
1: Yes, and this is very much the uh, the old cliche brought to life, the out of the frying pan and into the fire kind of uh, couple of episodes here. Um, we left off kind of the next time on um, from last week's episode of ours um, was this cohort of villains planned to do some nefarious ne'er-do-well stuff um, to... All Might, and we see that put into uh, motion immediately, pretty much, um, in in these these next two episodes.
0: Yeah, and we also kind of got something cleared up. We were not too sure if Katsuki or Kachan or Bakugo—I'm going to call him Bakugo from here on out. Okay. uh, We weren't too sure if Bakugo was headed home or like quitting the school— and then we're shown in the beginning of this episode that all of them are like walking to class or like walking into UA. Yep. So he must have just gone home. It's like first
1: thing in this episode. We were just like, well, well there you go. Um, yeah. And, and I
0: kind of figured it would be like the first thing we found out. But, you know, I'm glad it was.
1: Yeah. And so he's walking up to the school. The school is surrounded by a bunch of media. Um, one of them asks him, aren't you that sludge monster kid? Which made me laugh out loud because you know that yeah. that hurt his feeling something awful. Um, oh, yeah. But the, they're, they're clamoring to try to get an interview with All Might, who isn't there. It's his day off, I think is what they're told. Um, but they are super pushy. And uh, at, at one point, they go to basically storm the campus. Um, and the school
0: goes on lockdown, um, which is something new. It is, yeah, and it was kind of, it almost wanted to remind me of, like, Xavier school going on lockdown, like, in the later comics when it actually has, like, a security system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the doors, like, closed shut the whole nine yards. Uh, I was surprised that it didn't pop out, like, mini guns on the railings or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> So I have paired the lockdown protocols for the campus with the villainous
1: epilogue that we had last week, and I have a feeling that we'll be seeing them again, or that they will be among the obstacles that the villains will have to overcome to get to All Might. But I also wondered how stupid you have to be to rush a school full of people getting trained as heroes by heroes. You either have to be incredibly stupid or incredibly strong um we we see this kind of play out a little bit more um covertly um than i anticipated as the as the episodes uh move along but there's also this kind of throwaway shot um on the on the outside of the school while this talk about lockdown is going on where there's this dude with gray hair who because you only see his back you know that he's a bad guy that's just like yeah. Bad Guy Framing 101. So I have written in my notes, who is this gray-haired, quote-unquote, everyone? And I don't remember why I called him everyone. I think that there was some line about keeping everyone out, possibly. So anyway, we we are exposed to the lockdown protocols. Then we kind of catch back up with all of our favorite people.
0: All of the students have gotten together in class, and Aizawa has told them that they need to pick a class representative. And he doesn't care how they do it, but it has to be done by the time his nap's over. Yeah. Like, Aizawa is becoming one of my favorite teachers because he's so, like, just do whatever. I don't really care. You know, like, I'll teach you what you need to know, but just stay out of my way kind of deal, you know? So he bundles up in his caterpillar outfit and, like, hangs out in the corner.
1: (laughs) Which is awesome. Um, He just kind of curls up and just like, whatever, just wake me up when it's over, I guess. Uh, it's obviously a convention of the school that he cares nothing about.
0: Right. So they're all kind of shouting over the top of each other on who wants to be who and, uh, Oh, I want to be the leader. No, I want to be the leader. And Tanya stands up and is like, well, Hey, this is a democracy. Let's, let's vote for it. And he even has this kind of internal monologue on like, well, I know more than likely everybody will vote for themselves, but this is better than just arguing over everything.
1: Yeah. I think he says that out loud because, um, I think somebody else in the class says, well, won't everybody just vote for themselves? And he said, most people probably will, but that'll make it all the more significant for those people who receive more than one vote. That, that'll be telling. Yeah. Um, so they, they hold this vote very quickly, and with, with a total of three votes, um, Deku, Deku wins. Deku wins the office of class representative, I think is what they a- were calling it.
0: He totally doesn't want it, like oh, no. at all. He wants no he's part of He's freaking out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine. Like he's he seems like a pretty anxious dude that doesn't. I don't want to say he doesn't have initiative, but he doesn't really quite have leadership qualities either. Yeah, and so for him to just kind of get thrown into something that it didn't seem like he even volunteered for. You know, there was no option. Like everybody was on the ballot.
1: Yeah, and he. So he's he's in an interesting place. Just in general, because he's still learning to control his quirk. And everybody else has had theirs for a long time. He just got his. Um, it kind of makes me think of the X-Men a little bit, where they kind of come to school to learn how best to control their their uh, mutations. That's what Professor Xavier tended to offer them. So he's way behind the ball on this relative to everybody else. But UA is built around the assumption that you've already got it under control, right? because you've lived it with yeah. it for so long. Um, so he he kind of weighs all of that, too, in t- not taking himself uh, into consideration for this office. But this is what's kind of interesting, is he wins with three votes. You know that the likelihood that he voted for himself is non-existent.
0: Yeah, I assume that he would have voted for... I, honestly, I, it would have surprised me if he hadn't voted for Katsuki. But he didn't, because Katsuki only had one vote, and it was himself.
1: Yep, I, I thought... I could see him voting for Katsuki because of the reverence that he tends to have for him. Uh, I could see him voting for Tenya.
0: But Tenya didn't have any votes at all, so he must not have voted for Tenya. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a good point. So uh, I paused the episode and tried to sort out who the three votes were. So not Deku. I put Ochako locked down. And Tenya, also, I was like, I'm 100% confident Tenya didn't vote for himself. He voted for Deku. Yeah. But I could and I I was proven right on both of those, but I have no idea who the third vote was. You have any theories on who cast that third vote for Deku?
0: I'm really not sure. The only thing I can think of, I don't know the guy's name yet, but he has popped up once or twice in this episode and the next one. Uh, It's the guy that has the red hair and his arms kind of harden and kind of turn into like weapons. Yeah. I think he did because he was really impressed by Midoriya during the fight between Katsuki and him. Like whenever they were doing the villains versus the heroes, he seemed to be really impressed by Midoriya. So for some reason, I kind of assumed him, but I have no real proof other than that.
1: Okay. It's a working theory anyway. It's better than I had because I was like, I have no idea. And like like you're proving here, even if I had an idea, I wouldn't know what to call them because we're terrible with names. (laughs) Um, Some of them we still don't know. I'm pretty sure that like probably 60% of
0: the cast, we've never heard their names before. Or they've been uttered like once. And of course, you've switched from the Japanese to the English version now. Yes. And so you've heard a whole slew of names that I probably haven't heard, whereas I've heard four or five that they don't even use because they referred to, I guess, as their last name, but also their hero name. And then, depending on who it is, they may have nicknames for them. So there's a lot of names to keep up with in this one.
1: Yeah. So the I think it's a cultural naming convention of Japan to kind of use right. a last name. Like a lot of people in my life call me Atkins. I'm not Japanese, so it's weird here. But I think over there, <laughs> that's just what they just just what they do. Um. So yeah, everybody seems to have a half dozen names, but they all have you know their first name, their last name, uh, whatever they might uh, call themselves as a hero plus. Uh, certain nicknames like uh, Kachan and, and Deku, you know. So they, there's a, yeah. a long list, um, and probably to the disservice of people who are trying to get into this show by listening to us, we have not helped them figure that stuff out because <laughs> we just keep. Yeah, we're, we're like a Katsuki and Bakugo and Kachan, and like we refer, we use these names super interchangeably. <laughs> we probably yeah, should we come really up do. with a
0: naming convention of our own. So it seemed like there was a second place winner as well during this kind of competition or this voting because Momo is in second place where she's like, she got two votes, but they don't call her a representative, but she's still standing up there with Deku. So I'm not sure if she's automatically given a spot or if she's like, she's like the vice representative. Yeah. Something like that. Something like
1: that. It's a second, uh, it's a lower office of some kind of, you know, student council or whatever. Gotcha.
0: Well, so they all go to lunch, and we kind of find out a little bit more about Tenya here, which is kind of neat. His family is a long line of superheroes, like really famous superheroes. Yeah, he says at
1: one point that one of his older brothers has 65 sidekicks, and that just seems untenable. I I don't know how that works.
0: I'm not too sure either, because they didn't really showcase his family's powers, but I wonder if they're all speed-related because I, we know that their powers are derivatives of their parents' powers, so I just mm. I wonder what all his family's powers look like. Yeah, I don't know.
1: We, do we even get a? Do we get a glimpse of the brothers at some point, or am I just making that up? I feel like no, we, we
0: did. Okay. Yeah, we got a glimpse because we see them in their very similar Gundam-like outfits. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. It, it sounds cool. Like, Tenya is becoming a better character for me. At first, I thought he was just that annoying guy that, like, tells the teacher that they forgot the homework. But now I kind of am getting him better. Like, he has a lot to live up to. Yeah. You know? it, my
1: first impression of him was not good, um, but he continues to grow on me, too. And, you know, you mentioned something that uh, didn't click with me until you had said it, uh, but that they all kind of look like they're wearing Gundam armor. We, we talked... In a previous episode, about how Teku's costume was derivative of and out of reference for, out of reverence for rather, All Might. And so now that you've mentioned that, uh, Tenya's costume is the exact same thing, only from his family. Um, so he's oh, yeah. he's kind of being honorific towards his parents or his his brothers as well, wanting to carry on their even their aesthetic.
0: I didn't even think about it that way. I just kind of assumed that they would all have similar powers, ergo they would have similar outfits to benefit those powers. But you're probably right. He's probably doing it out of like honor and respect to his family.
1: So we we also That's find cool. out that he's filthy rich. Um, yeah, but he's trying to keep which it makes on the me wonder. Dove.
0: If like his family is more like the Kardashians, you know, <laughs> like, are they like these super reality TV show superheroes or are they legit superheroes that everybody really knows? Like more like I'm uh, like a football player, like a famous football player yeah. or something. You know what I mean?
1: Hey, yeah, I could get behind that analogy. This is like during lunch that uh, we learn all this stuff about Tenya and his family. Then the school's uh, alarms, the lockdown protocols are engaged.
0: Yeah, and it's actually like a higher tier than it was before because I think it it comes over on the intercoms that it's like a tier three breach.
1: Yeah, and so you have uh, the students are freaking out. Um, I I wrote down that gray haired guy sneaks in with the press. That was my that was my bet that he moves in under the cover of this crowd because it's the it is the press that has kind of pressed their way in to the school grounds. But you also find out maybe a short while later that they couldn't have just walked through the front door that somebody had to basically disintegrate part of the um of the school's defenses for them to get in
0: yeah because we see there's a scene where like all of the kids are trying to get out of the cafeteria and get to like a safe space or something like that and yeah. it's chaos oh yeah and T- ochako is getting swallowed up by this crowd and she's reaching out for tenya um and yeah, because Tenya actually sees that it's just the press that's invaded. So he knows that it's nothing bad, at least as far as he's aware. So he's trying to get people to calm down.
1: Yeah, it's that and crowd mentality taking over, though.
0: Yeah, and so they work together, and he's able to get Ochako to levitate him, and then he uses his boosts to boost up against a wall, like the exit sign, the, like, right in front of the emergency exit. Okay. And
1: Yeah, so this is the first combo move of the show, I think. Yeah, I think
0: so. Heroes, at least amongst the students, have used their powers in conjunction with one another. You could say that Midoriya and Ochako kind of had a combo when they fought Katsuki and Tenya, because he blasted the ceiling and then she used the powers, like her powers, to hold on to a column. So that was kind of a combo. That's fair. That's fair. But it wasn't as direct as this, because this was real communication on like, hey help me out and I'll help you out kind of deal. I love this too,
1: because it was not graceful at all. I have written down Tanya flipping through the air with his calf boosters and not nailing it at all. So he, Mm. he doesn't, so he gets the floating part, but he didn't think about the way that like centrifugal force works. So he kicks his little calves on and he just starts spinning through the air, which is really
0: funny. Well, and he, it's funny too, because he like, he's balancing on top of like a door frame and his, he starts to try and tell everybody like, Hey, calm down. Everything's okay. Like we're the best of the best. We can't act like this. Mm -hmm. But the whole time his legs are shaking like he's nervous. And I I feel for the guy because anytime I get up in front of people, I can normally talk. Okay. But my legs are just going crazy. Like the energizer bunny. Like I, I have that same problem. So yeah, I kind of felt for him in that moment. And he earns himself uh, a little bit of a
1: moniker here, a little bit of a nickname, uh, "Emergency Exit Ida." Um, yeah, they
0: they all think he looks like the guy on the emergency exit, so they just call, start calling him "Emergency Exit Ida." Yeah, it's great. I thought that was good. That is fun. I also like, uh, they kind of switched the camera over to the media, and you see the media dealing with Aizawa and this music guy, who I don't know that we've learned his name yet, or if we have, it's been a couple episodes and it's not been mentioned since.
1: Yeah, he might have been mentioned. He, he was the kind of the proctor of the, the entrance exam.
0: So, like, we're going to call him Mr. Mike for right now because he's got these crazy mics that are like, or these like boom boxes that are around his neck. Okay. (laughs) And it's so funny because Aizawa is trying to tell the media, like, hey, you know, you're not allowed here. Like, we're calling the cops. You might as well go ahead and leave. And Mr. Mike is like, I don't know. We could just beat him up. Yeah. And I
1: like that approach. See, that is, I'm like, I'm with with Aizawa or I'm on a, I'm I'm with the Mike guy on this one. Like, listen, we're heroes and they're, they're, they're criminals. Let's just beat them up
0: yeah because I mean, I mean, he even says technically they're invading yeah we wouldn't be in the wrong yeah
1: I mean I'm he, sure they he's like... he's a chaotic
0: neutral character that we all have to love yeah. you know
1: yeah I mean he, he wasn't meaning like beat him up a lot he's just like beat him we'll just beat him up you know a little and yeah like
0: we'll just fine. It, it's not like katsuki wanting to kill deku it's just like eh, we'll get we'll get him taken care of you know right right but I, I think I'm gonna like him a lot if he ever becomes more of a staple character because he just he seems out there you know yeah but things
1: de-escalate anyway, both uh, inside due to the the combo move that we were discussing earlier uh, and outside as the kind of crowd gets dispersed.
0: So back at the classroom, uh, once everything's kind of settled down, Deku tells the rest of them they're about to choose their next representatives for the class. And he's like, you know, guys, uh, Tenya really kind of showed off his leadership skills. Like, I think we should probably just let him be the leader. I don't really want to be the class representative and this guy's got the right leadership skills. Look at how he calmed everything down. And it's funny because the moment they say that, all of the other people are like, you know, if Midoriya thinks that, then I'm cool with it. Like, he's got my vote. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like
1: Midoriya is just trying to escape an office that he doesn't feel like he deserves. Um, no, like
0: it, he's being really genuine. Yeah,
1: I mean, he is, he is awarding it to somebody who rightfully deserves um, and could serve well in that capacity.
0: And, of course, Aizawa kind of interrupts all of them and is like, I don't care who the representative is. Just get this over with. Yeah, he's so and over, so, it, man. He wants nothing to do with any of this. Yeah. So they put Tenya up there, and then poor Momo is like, but but I was the runner-up. Like, I got two votes. He didn't get any. <laughs> so I kind of felt bad for her. You know, she's getting kind of screwed out of this position. Sad trombone. Uh, yeah. And then we see the, uh, the principal with a couple of the other... Instructors that are pointing out this area that's been blasted down and disintegrated, like you mentioned earlier. I'm guessing it's the white-haired guy that has basically infiltrated the school somehow, uh, under the guise of the media.
1: Yeah, he uses he uses them as a distraction for sure, or as cover um, for his infiltration. Uh, Aizawa explains that the class is basically going to get to go on a on a field trip. They're they're going to a facility where they will uh, learn how to respond to natural disasters. So this is you know not necessarily response to you know, superpowered villains, um, but they, that they're going to spend some time learning how to use their quirks in natural disaster uh, situations.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and then we kind of cut back to All Might, who I guess is on his way to class. Yeah. So he and he's running late. And the reason he's running late is because he is stopping
1: and being a hero along the way, um, which isn't going to work out long term for him because of the time limit that is being imposed upon his his quirk. But they they do decide to just go ahead and uh, well their their assumption is that they will meet All Might at the arena I think
0: yeah I think so but like on his way there he stops like a hit and run and he stops someone's purse getting stolen like he's doing I don't want to say petty crime but at the same time it's not like he's really fighting giant villains or anything either right he also has this really interesting.
1: Snippet of conversation where he is talking about how you know we know that he passed on his quirk or at least a moat of it to Deku, but he also makes it sound like it it could possibly be forcibly taken.
0: Yeah, because he's talking about how his power is starting to get zapped and like it's being going away. I guess from where mi- he's given it to Midoriya, and, and then he mentions something about being worried that it's going to be taken or maybe from Midoriya. Yeah, which just conjured up images of
1: people like nominon on bowls full of hair um yeah. in my brain uh surely there's another way to uh, to absorb it possibly but we we do have this uh scene on the bus away to the arena and it's got some uh spots of humor in it as well most notably is somebody tells katsuki that he his personality is flaming crap mixed with garbage um which is just great
0: It's awesome because, like, Midoriya is sitting there talking to a couple of the other students, and I think it's the frog girl who we know her name is Sue. She mentions to him, like, Hey, have you ever noticed that your powers are just like All Mights? Yeah. And Deku (laughs) was like, What? No, they're not. And someone else says, Yeah, because his body gets totally messed up. All Might doesn't have that happen to him. And he kind of like wipes the sweat away, like, Oh, okay, cool. And, you know, it's funny because she says something like, Yeah, but one day you're going to be a pretty big hero, unlike Bakugo, who has a crappy personality, so no one's going to like him anyways. And then it kind of spurns this, like, bit where the whole class is just picking on him. And I never expected that to happen. Yeah, especially you don't
1: want to pick on the guy with a short fuse. Just, like, in general, that's not good life advice. No. Um, Especially in, like, a moving confined space like it's, right? it's just not well thought out but it certainly is
0: what they all do well and there's a part of me that thinks they do it because he reacts like it's they're having fun with him. you know what yeah, i mean they're like they're poking him at him because he's gonna freak out and it's funny yeah
1: they also talk a little bit on the bus uh, there's a lot of talk about flash and popularity amongst those who are looking to become heroes and this emphasizes deku some um who isn't in it for any of that um he's he's in it to be, uh, you know, a hero in his estimation and definition of what that what that means and entails. So you got a little bit of uh, literary emphasis on humility just in the scene unfolding on the bus as the rest of them are talking about flashy quirks versus, uh, you know, subdued or or more suppressed quirks and being popular as opposed to unknown. None of those things really matter to Deku at all. He doesn't love his quirk because it's flashy and big. Um, he loves it because of what it permits him to yeah, do. For gets others. the job done for um, him.
0: Yeah, I think he sees his yeah. powers as more of a tool, like a tool set in general, yes. than everyone else. Yes. They are their powers, you know. Right. Um, so they they get to this this stadium. We're
1: introduced to uh, a new hero to us, um, who's uh, there alongside Aizawa to kind of proctor. They're they're expecting All Might to show up at any point, but we meet what's her name, Space
0: Space Thirteen. Yeah, I think they just call her Thirteen. But she is Space thirteen from what I can tell. So and okay. it, and I'm not sure if she's in a space suit or if that's just how she looks, But she kind of looks like a mixture between like Big Hero Six and uh, the Michelin man.
1: Yeah, she does a bit. But her power she is... kind of reminded me of that like famous robot, the famous Japanese robot. Uh, and I couldn't tell you what the name of it was, but her face, like her facial profile of the way that they kind of did her eyes on her helmet kind of reminded me of that Japanese famous robot that you could take and figure it out yeah. from there because that's all the, I got. The,
0: She kind of also reminded me like if it is a suit, which we don't know if it is yet or not, but in general with the way her powers work, they're really cool because she has a black hole power that Midoriya tells us about where she can like open up mm. the tips of her fingers and it creates a black hole that sucks everything in and turns it to dust. And it reminds me, have you seen Hellboy 2? Yes. So do you you remember Von Kloss? That's what I think his name is? Yeah, yeah. So it's very similar to his suit. Like, it looks a lot like that, where it's like the suit that holds his spirit or whatever. Yeah. Uh, So it it reminded me a lot of that in general. Uh, But I thought that was, uh, she just looks cool. And she seems like she is one of the better superheroes, too. Like, she's a pro, you know?
1: Well, we don't get a whole bunch uh, by way of intro or how these tests are going to work because um, a black hole of sorts opens up in the middle of the arena. Um, Now, the students are under the impression that this might be some sort of test or or part of the training, but it 100% totally is not. As both teachers start freaking out um, because a whole bunch of bad guys show up there.
0: Yeah, and they Um, look like some of them look really menacing too.
1: Yep, and they are all there. Um, We know to take care of All Might, but All Might is not there. And so there's some discussion either at the very end of this episode or somewhere in the midst of the next episode where they're like, well, while we're here, maybe we can get his attention by just killing a bunch of these kids.
0: Yeah, like, Um, oh, well, All Might's not here. Guess we'll kill some kids.
1: Yep. So, um, And
0: it seems like All Might is actually in the building a couple of maybe miles down the road or a couple blocks down, and he's basically resting because he's run out of power.
1: Right. Um, and this kind of shifts us into Episode 10, Encounter with the Unknown. Um, we, we do get confirmation that they managed to maybe steal a schedule or, or come to know the schedule of, um, of the students, or, or at least of All Might. They, they, yeah. they, they were under the impression they had gathered intel that he was going to be there.
0: So it's interesting that you say steal, because they, they do say, like, they come through and they're like, well, the schedule we've got says that All Might's supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. And my initial thought was, okay, there's a traitor. Like, someone has to be giving them this information. I, I hadn't considered the thought that maybe they just stole it when they broke in.
1: Yeah, see, I'm the exact opposite. I had no thoughts of, of there being a traitor and only thoughts about it being stolen. So huh. one of us will be proven right uh, down yeah, the
0: road. One of us has trust issues. That's right.
1: <laughs> um, so the, the bad guys show up, and Deku looks at Head. He looks at Aizawa and kind of deviates from what what his character might be when he, yeah. he just looks at him and is kind of aggressive. And he like, and he's like him. Yeah. He's like, listen, cause I was like, Hey, space 13, d- get these kids out of here. And Deku's like, Hey, your quirk is suited for stealth application and not one on, I- in one-on-one combat, not going to do uh, this, is not going to do a whole lot against uh, a group of people to which Eraserhead replies. You can't be a pro if you've only got one trick at which point he had my full
0: attention. Yeah. Yeah, and Eraserhead is badass. Like, oh yeah, he uh, does some straight up work on these guys. Yeah, but I like—I feel like Midoriya saying that is so out of left field. Totally not up his alley. Like that is not his character at all. Like he basically just told a pro hero that he knows a lot about and looks up to and has studied his quirks that he sucked. Like you're worthless in this situation to me right now. And that seemed really out of place for him. Maybe he is guilty of that. That
1: general trope of intellects where they're all brain and no heart and they just got the best of them for this moment because generally speaking that's not how he's been characterized in this show so it did seem a little bit out of place but he was also we also know that Deku tends to operate very much with the greater good in mind and he just had a different he, he didn't have a full understanding of what uh, Aizawa could do. Uh, and so he was operating under his assumptions or with the limited information that he had, trying to figure out what really is the best application of our powers in this yeah. particular situation.
0: Yep. And I'm totally convinced that like under other circumstances, if this had just been a training exercise and it wasn't real, Aizawa would have laid some smack down on Miodoria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like well, I la- get the feeling he would not have taken that kind of trash talk.
1: He lays the smack down on a whole bunch of bad guys. Oh and- my gosh. Yeah, he does. It is awesome. It is super cool. So he also we, we've mentioned his bands before, but we learn um, about his goggles. One of the villains makes the comment they they know that his quirk is to cancel out other quirks or to suppress them, and that it's visual. Uh, it works by him looking at them. But they also make mention of the fact that the goggles that he wears are like these like slitted goggles, and they obscure whose quirk he's canceling out at any given moment. So yeah. he can only cancel out one at a time. But when he's surrounded, you know, you can't tell who's he's got on lockdown in in that minute which is a really really cool kind of element to how he is in combat especially in a group i mean this is that is something that is only usable in a group you know um in one-on-one combat of course you're going to cancel out the quirk of the other guy but in a group then you add that uh that chaos element almost into
0: uh into that that added strategic element Yeah, so there's one villain that like attacks him and he calls his quirk a certain type of quirk. And I didn't catch what he said, but I think it was some sort of like physical alternate quirk. Like his body seemed like they were spikes or something. And he mentions like, Hey, your quirk doesn't work on mine. You can't suppress mine. So maybe that kind of answers the whole would his quirk work on All Might? Like if All Might's actual Quirk is his physical brute strength. Could he suppress that? You know what I mean? Like I it, or would it switch him back down into like his Jinko jeans All Might version? Yeah.
1: So Aizawa's was not gonna look at the dude who looks like a shark and turn him into a man all of a sudden. Right. Because- because it's a physical manifestation.
0: Right. And he even kind of gives away a little bit of his tactic, which I thought was kind of neat. He's like, yeah, I know I can't do that, which is why I don't let people get near me. And if you notice, yeah. he has people surrounding him and they're all within like 20 feet of him. Like he is keeping them at a distance no matter who's coming at him. So you can tell this dude is like trained. He knows what he's doing. It is really, really cool.
1: On the other side of the field from him, we we learned that... Um the the bad guys call themselves the league of villains which is just
0: superbly lame yeah it um, is i was hoping that they would have a really cooler name or yeah. not even a name at all like i don't i feel like if you have to give yourself a name you're not really a villain
1: yeah you know league I mean?
0: of villains i mean that feels
1: it's just there's it, no effort in that it's
0: like so 80s dc yeah but he does say something that i really liked cuz he's talking to one of the other villains and they're watching a racer head just wreck face with everybody like all of the pawns basically and yeah. he says something along the lines of the worst thing about dealing with the pros is that they actually live up to their hype. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, it's, that shows something like if the villains can say, yeah, the pros are good. Like, that's pretty cool.
1: And it's always the villains who hang out in the background or on the sidelines that you have to worry about. Right. It's I yeah. mean, you see this all the time. It's like, oh, there's this big, bald uh, Saiyan named Nappa, but then there's that really scrawny guy, you know, named Vegeta. I'm just, you know, what's his deal? He's the, he's the big bad. Like, right. that's, that's how it always works.
0: It, it reminded me a lot of, uh, and I know that we'll probably get flack for even mentioning that this movie exists, but in the third X Men movie, whenever they are going and finally getting like the, the treatment for the, the mutant gene, and uh, Magneto just tells them, like, let the pawns go first. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. very reminiscent of that scene. Definitely.
1: So one of the big, big bads who's hanging out in the background blocks point of, of egress for the students who are trying to get out of there, and he starts scattering them. He's like a black hole himself. Um, I think he's how they got into the facility in the first place somehow. I
0: think so, too, because his power is like he has a warping quirk, yeah. so he can warp people around different places. So he spits these
1: people all over um, the arena to try to uh, split them up some and sue... And Deku and the guy who's who's we've been calling him Fruit of the Loom, we find out they at least say his name is uh Moneta or Moneta, uh, I in think. In this episode. So they end up in the like shipwreck scenario portion of the arena. And it's great because Deku gets attacked by this shark guy who obviously has a bad stick because he's all shark but still has lungs. He doesn't have um, gills, so he has to use scuba gear, which means that <laughs> he bites through probably a hose a week um, oh, trying easily. to be a bad guy.
0: Like, he probably is a bad guy because he's stealing money to buy through hoses. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's exactly it. Like, I wonder if heroes have insurance uh i don't
1: know well the bad guys wouldn't need it they just do like you said yeah that's true Uh, that's true so sue ends up over there and you know she because she's the froggy girl uh is an excellent swimmer so she ends up getting deku and monata uh moneta up on the boat and they do some they do some some thinking some strategizing but before they get there moneta looks at her and says for a frog you've got pretty big boobs sue perfect floaties and he's like He's just perving it up. Perv's got a perv. That's just, just just what he does. I wonder if his quirk is just per- being a perv. Uh, it's got to be. It's got to be part of it at least. Yeah. So we also see kind of a little glimpses of some of the other groups. And there's one glimpse that particularly intrigued me and made me break a rule with regards to this this podcast. Um, okay. So I'm going to come clean about it. There's there's a very quick scene where Momo is standing in one of the groups and she pulls a bow staff out of her wrist like it it comes from her arm. And then somebody standing next to her, another hero, draws a sword out of Momo's leg. What? And I I was like...
0: I didn't even catch that. That must have been like a really quick glimpse.
1: It was super fast, and I was like, all right, what is going on here? So Now, correct
0: me if I'm wrong. Momo is the one that has the weird bookshelf on her butt, right? Yep, yep. Okay.
1: So... I I got online. I had to know. So her quirk is called creation, and it says Momo's quirk gives her the ability to create any non-living material from her exposed skin
0: Ah. through the molecular
1: manipulation of her fat cells, which means this makes sense of her costume as well.
0: Yeah, because if she doesn't have exposed skin, she can't create things. So the more skin she has to reveal, I guess the more possibilities she can make. Yep. Yep. And she also has this thing, that book that we
1: talked about resting on her behind. It says, this equipment is made of a lexicon compiling all the constructs and materials that come to Momo's mind. So it's like her journal of things that she can pull from her body. And it also has (laughs) magnets attached to the cover and inside the pages so it doesn't open or fall during combat. So that explains a whole lot about that character.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, but that's really ridiculous. Like, that is an out there Yeah. I wonder, like, so... uh does she have a ceiling on how many things she can create? Like if it's using her fatty cells, she would run out eventually, I would think.
1: Yeah, that, that little page that I was reading from also mentions the fact that um she has to intake a lot of calories. So she has to eat a lot in order for her, her quirk to work. So they, they they have some boundaries set on it for sure. And, yeah. and I we'll wonder... learn more of that as we go, I'm sure. I'm just jumping ahead at this point.
0: Yeah, and I don't blame you, because I didn't even catch that. But if I had caught that, I think I probably would have had to look it up, too. I really, like, I wonder if the healing girl, the doctor lady, if, if her healing quirk messes with Momo's quirk in general, because I would think that her body would have to replace those cells, and it would be like healing, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. And if it, I don't know, that could be interesting. I wonder if there are quirks that just have bad reactions to each other, like if they're like almost allergies. Yeah, I'm
1: sure there's there's some bad combos in there. Or or yeah. negated, you know, kind of like, like I think I mentioned before, like, a quirk that is rock to a quirk that is scissors, you know, that it's just... Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Now, I will say, you cut back over to, like, Tenya, he is still kind of trapped with a couple of the more brutish uh, heroes where their strength is kind of like their quirk. And it's interesting because they tell him, like, hey, we need you to leave with your super speed and go warn the rest of the faculty. Like, we need backup. Yeah. And he's really reluctant to do it at first. Like, no, I can't leave you guys here. You're gonna get killed. And they tell him, like, use your power to help others. You're kind of not really gonna be able to do much here. Like, your powers are better served over there. Right. And I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and he he's like, okay, that makes sense. And he, you know, it sounds like he's gonna try and get away. We we haven't seen that yet because he's still kind of stuck. I'm interested in seeing what's going on with him. Like, that is a huge undertaking. Because if he's not able to make it, then he's letting a lot of people down.
1: Sure. We, we do get... Wist away from the arena for a moment to kind of catch back up with jinko jing's all might yeah and he's he's still recovering trying to get enough power even to just go and make a quick you know 10 minute appearance and speech at the end of the testing is what he mentions
0: yeah and he powers up and like i think he's able to stay powered up for maybe a minute minute and a half
1: yeah before the principal kind of interrupts him and and holds him up just long enough for him to to run out of power again and this this principal so <laughs> the principal we've been calling like a bear and you have some you have some Theories on him, and I'll let you get to those in a second. But even he's like, I, "What am I? Am I a mouse or a dog or a bear?" Nobody knows. Yeah,
0: I thought that was it had me cracking up. Yeah. even like he <laughs> just looks crazy. So
1: he he the principal comes in and has a discussion with All Might. Um, All Might seems to be uh, kind of in turmoil, inner turmoil, um, because he's torn between two loyalties: loyalties to the school um, and loyalties to the community, which is why. You know, he seemed to be prioritizing being a hero or serving the community over uh, the obligations and responsibilities that he has at the school. Uh, the principal straight up tells him to prioritize students over hero work for now, um, particularly because he's not the only hero. So that makes some sense.
0: Yeah, he kind of tells him like, you need to have a little bit more respect for these kids. Like, they're here to learn from you, and you're here to teach them. Like, you're, you need to leave that other life behind, kind of. And then he brews some tea, and even All Might is like, oh, man, I'm going to get stuck. Yep, he knows he's <laughs> in
1: for a haul. So this is where I want to invite you to enlighten me, Adam, because you have, you have some thoughts about the principal that I'm not sure that I share. I want to give you an opportunity to kind of present your case to me over your, your concerns about uh, Principal Teddy Ruxpin here. So what you got?
0: Okay, so first of all, the principal's name is Nezu, and he doesn't know if he's a mouse or a bear or, like, any of that stuff, which I think is kind of weird. So I wonder, was he born a bear, or did he get his quirk and turn into this weird creature? But on top of that, he is the principal of the, like, top dog school when it comes to heroes. Like, he has trained people like All Might, I'm assuming, right? Like, he was probably a professor when All Might was there. Now he's the principal, so, to be in that kind of position of power, you have to have a lot of power in general. And I, okay. I get the feeling that either one of two things is happening. Either he is incredibly powerful and he is kind of running things behind the scenes. Maybe he's in this position so that way he can kind of have leverage and do what he wants when he wants. Or he's like he's a villain in the background and he has his own plans and he's just there so that way he can kind of make the gears turn in the motions he wants. Right. Or he's completely worthless and his quirk is really stupid. Like, it's one of the two for me. There's no way that he's just your average run-of-the-mill pro hero. Like, either he is just really, really crazy evil, and he is scheming everything, or he's just really innocent and has kind of a worthless quirk. And they just kind of put him in that position because, you know, why not? Like, he's cute. Okay. Okay. That's really my only... Like, I have no real proof, other than the fact that he has this really crazy scar over one of his eyes. And I feel like <laughs> that's Scars kind equal of bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: what you're suggesting right now. <laughs> it is.
0: Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I don't have any kind of proof. I know it's totally ridiculous, but I think we've established that I have trust issues. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm <laughs> okay. convinced that there's a traitor, and we've been given no indication that there is one. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe I'm thinking too hard about it, you know, like uh, traditional anime tropes maybe, like a good guy's actually a villain.
1: All right. can I'm gonna, I want to give you a counterpoint okay, just for fun. All right. So at the end of this little scene with these two, with All Might and Nezu, he mentions having read a book called Combat Pedagogy as viewed through the lens of ethical quirk use, which is, first of all, 100% a book that I want to read. Oh, yeah. It sounds um, totally up your alley. But what if... He, regardless of his quirk, maybe the quirk is just confusing people over his his uh, phenotype. Is he a mouse? Is he a dog? Is he a bear? We don't know. That's his quirk. Um, (laughs) What if, just for the sake of argument, as a counterpoint, he's just really good uh, at teaching philosophy and administration, and he's doing the job that nobody else wants to do because he can't teach anything else because he doesn't have a, a, you know, something to lend in the quirk de- you know quirk development and control department but he's like but I can crunch numbers and run a school and that doesn't even have to be a
0: quirk he, maybe he's just really good at that naturally or or adkins let me pose this it's a really good cover up <laughs> okay i don't, like i said i really have no proof i just have this gut feeling that he shouldn't be trusted okay we i'm
1: I'm want so bad for to know the answer to this question already. Um, but I'm I'm gonna leave it be. I'm just gonna let it develop.
0: I think I guess for me, he just seems he seems really ignorant to be in the position that he's in. Does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah. so it makes me immediately not trust him. Kind of so like kind of like the whole thing where the villains have broken into the school. They like he is very well aware of the fact that villains have disintegrated one of the walls, one of the barriers to the school, and they're kind of not doing anything about it. Like, he knows that there are people that are broken in, and yet here he is drinking tea with All Might while all of his students are getting wrecked in the facility next door. <laughs> okay. Like, maybe he's just distracting All Might. I don't know. Oh, okay. But it's possible. All right. It's, it's in the realm of possibilities. Maybe, for okay. me at least. <laughs> all right. I, I got you. All right.
1: So we, we get back to the arena, you know, bear theories aside, and... We get our our three heroes together, Mineta and Deku and Sue, and they're all trying to strategize how they're going to take on, there's like a dozen or more water-based villains uh, in front of them. So they start kind of going over each of their powers, and Sue has an, I mean, some of hers are like, obviously, I'm like, I can do everything a frog can, I can jump, I can swim, I got a long tongue. But then she adds to the list that she can vomit up her own stomach and clean it out. Yeah. (laughs) Which I guess is a thing frogs do that I am totally unaware of.
0: Yeah, that's something that I think it's like pretty common in uh, like tropical tree frogs, I think. Like if they eat something that's poisonous, that's how they keep from dying. She also mentions that she can secrete a mucus that's very lightly acidic.
1: And she just kind of dismisses it. She's just like, ah, but it only burns a little bit. But for some reason, this gets fruit of the loom. This gets Minetta all hot and bothered. Yeah. And I'm trying not to kink shame here. But I'm also trying to figure out why, of all those things, he would react in that way to the mucus part and not to, I don't know, the tongue part if he was really, like, super kinky, right? Yeah, Um, Yeah, because he says
0: something like, oh, you secrete mucus, huh? Like, yeah. it's weird. Like, he's, he's such a strange character. And I almost kind of think that they put him in there as, like, a bit of a comedic relief, and he just kind of comes off as a perv. You know what I mean? Okay,
1: yeah. So, two things on that. Number one, we get into his quirk a little bit here, uh, and it's just he can pull sticky balls off of his head. Yeah. And there's and a joke here about how, of course, the perv of the show has a ball-themed quirk, but I, I'm it's just not coming to me, <laughs> and I'm just going to leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> and the second point is that he... I think that he's animated differently than everybody else on this show and it's it's kind of I didn't really think about it until this episode or or notice it until this episode but he it's like he's got a slightly different animated quality to him um that like, kind of like makes him using stand like out
0: like a different animated software or like or, he's drawn differently or what
1: or yeah it's so weird and it it does it maybe I'm just completely wrong in seeing things um but it, especially in episode 10 I was like he is being drawn differently than everybody else. And huh. I think that it could be a way of just emphasizing him as being the obviously doesn't belong, is just here for the laughs kind of thing. I, I don't really know. But um, he's not just here for the laughs because he's part of this like super uh, three-way combo uh, at the end of the show to kind of uh, get them out of the, the sticky situation that they're in.
0: Yeah, Unintended. because they, I guess Deku comes up with a plan. And you know, the other thing about his powers, though, let's back up for just one second. Monada's powers, he mentions that his... the. <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to say this. He mentions that the ball, his sticky balls, are only sticky for a certain amount of time based off of the mood he's in when he pulls them off his head. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. like what? How did like this guy I get into UA? Yeah. What was yeah. his scores in? Like, I would love to see what he did in the uh preliminaries, whenever they were trying to like fight off all the robots and whatnot. D- yeah, like, what was his score like? How did <laughs> how know. in the world did him and uh naval beam? get in like I'm just so confused <laughs> on that uh, but regardless know. Deku comes up with an awesome plan and it's funny because they've kind of confirmed that they're here to kill all might and they have a way to kill him and that's kind of something that the other students aren't really thinking about because they don't know about the unfortunate events that have happened to all might so Deku is the only one that's going yeah they probably could you know yeah uh, so that freaks out Manada though because he's like well if they can kill all might they can definitely kill me you know Oh, yeah, he's he's freaking out, and he's, he says something like, we just got out of junior high a few days
1: ago. I can't believe I'm going to die before I get to touch Momo's boobs. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> he's He is such a perv, man. It's something else. He puts else. Master Roshi to shame. I mean, he comes pretty close. Master Roshi was straight up like, he should be in jail for some of the oh, things God, that he yeah. did to some of the women.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, but, at least this is a kid that's kind of with other kids. Like, I'm not saying that what he's doing is okay, but it's more understandable than, like, an old, you know, hermit that's kind of into kids. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, right. uh, no, it's so bad. It so is. So they do
1: this cool combo thing where, uh, Deku jumps up and he uses the, um, the one for all power to displace a bunch of water, which creates a vortex, uh, into which, um, Mineta throws a bunch of his sticky balls so that all the villains clump together. And Sue uses her jumpy ability and tongue to, um, whisk, Deku out of the sky and over towards a patch of land. It's super cool. And even the sticky balls get put into play in a way that makes total sense as all the villains become like... It kind of reminded me of that um... Uh, oh, shoot. I should have... Uh, this shouldn't have come to me in the middle of recording. What's the name of that uh, game um, where you just run around and you just collect oh. stuff and, and, it, and it turns into a giant ball?
0: Yes. Uh, oh my gosh. I know it because they came out with a second version of it called I Love... Insert name of video game.
1: Oh man, I can't believe I'm blanking on this. Oh, um, we're but gonna, it, we're it, it was kind of like quick. that. It was kind of like that, where um, it it uh, all the villains just kind of clumped together because of the because of Katamari um, Damacy. Yeah, Katamari Damashi That's, That's what it. Is. That's what it was like. Yeah, That's, it was like a Katamari Damashi ball of villains at the
0: end. Yeah, it was, and it was really cool.
1: So it frees them up. Um, they're presumably out of immediate danger, at least, um, well, because the the villains placed.
0: They were very intentional about who they put where. Right. Um, and that was something I villains. was going to mention. Like, Midoriya kind of figures out that the villains put the villains in a very specific spot where they would be powered up. So you've got them in this disaster zone with a, a yacht, and all of the villains they're facing are like water based. Right. And what he realizes is like, well, they must have no idea what our quirks are. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put Sue there because she's water based too. Yep. So And he's like, okay, we can use this to our advantage. And that's when he comes up with this plan. And that kind of furthers my idea that maybe he has some sort of, like, tactician quirk. You know what I mean? Smart. I also wanted to mention, he has a moment here that I really, really liked. He's trying to figure out why they want to kill All Might. And he's kind of brainstorming, like, well, maybe it's because he's the face of peace, or maybe it's because of this or that. And then he just goes, you know what? It doesn't really matter why they're trying to kill him. Like, we need to react. And I thought that was pretty big of him. And I feel like that's a big step in becoming a hero. Like, yeah. not taking the time to figure out why villains are doing something, and just saving the day. Because a lot of times they act for no reason, you know?
1: Yep. And he's So the three of them are freed up from their zone, um, and I assume that next episode will continue the combat inside of the ulJ or usJ
0: usJ yeah the usJ because they say that it's a lot like Universal Studios Japan yeah
1: um so we got that to look forward to anyway
0: uh yeah and I can't I really can't wait to see more of the Shoto guy because they kind of flash over to his arena real quick and you know they've got all these villains attacking him and he just freezes them all and he makes the joke like why don't you bring in some real villains to fight me you yeah know, like fight like adults this is too easy and I, I don't know he just seems he seems like he's next level hero. Like he's almost a hero pro already. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. So I'm really interested in seeing how he fights off some of these people. Well, we,
1: we're we still so unfamiliar with so many of the other heroes' powers um, that we're guaranteed a good time as as more of this stuff becomes known. Like I said, I cheated a little bit and had to read up on Momos just because I was just struck with intense curiosity after seeing what I saw. Um, but we still got a lot to discover. Um, there are plenty more combos yet to come. Uh, yeah. I think that's some of the neatest stuff in shows like this where you see powers working in conjunction. Um, so I'm excited about that. And it sounds like, you know, episode 11 is going to pick up, uh, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit the ground
0: running. And I'm it excited like about it. that. I'm really interested in seeing uh, a little bit more about these like pro villains. Uh, you know, you've got this guy that has these weird like hands all over his face mm-hmm. and body, and they, they like electrical outlets too. It looks like. Yep. He seems like he's really super evil. Uh, and then you've got this kind of like mongoloid crow-looking guy, and they seem to be standing off to the distance, kind of like the Napa Vegeta combo watching. So I'm really interested in seeing w- where they start kicking in because I get the feeling that they're like super bad.
1: Yeah. Only problem with your assumption that they're super bad is that none of them have scars, at least none that are visible. So I mean, you're well,
0: you know that's you're, true.
1: Your your theory is defeated right off the bat. Uh, that's so fair. They're they're guaranteed to be just straight up good guys. This this is all just a misunderstanding. I'm sure. It
0: it is. I'm sure it is. It's probably just like a, a training sequence, and, and they're they're tricking the students. That's what I'm convinced of. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out next week. Yeah, I guess we'll find out next week, So because that'll wrap it up for these two episodes. So next week, we got, what, episodes 11 and 12? Yes, sir. If you're following along at home, that's where we'll be. I can't wait. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at Net for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O.